Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Brendan with Evoke Bike. We're back with Cat 4 Questions episode 8. I had to look at my fingers to count that. This is a great question and one that I was going to get to at some point, but a comment from the last episode when we're talking about if you are planning a big peak for like a big A race or if you're trying to race through a ton of races, maybe for like a series or you're just trying to get a ton of upgrade points, what does it mean to be racing at 95% for a really long time or 100% for a couple events and how does that play out? And this guy on YouTube had asked, is there a different strategy to schedule the annual training plan if applying that 95% great all season versus 100% awesome for two to three A races? Do you have any tips for keeping a year round high level without a peak? So a couple of things, when we're talking about an annual training plan, you wanna make sure regardless whether you're doing all season pretty good or 100% awesome, a huge bulk of your training is done in the winter. Your strength, your base, your first build, you're starting to like really hone everything in by February, March, April. I mean, that's a huge window depending on where you're racing. But either way you go, you have to have training before you can add on this intensity to race, whether you're trying to peak for a big race or doing a lot of races at 95%. The thing that I was, I was thinking, how do I word this properly? So let's look at like, if you're peaking for a big race and trying to put all your eggs in a basket for something in May, you know, really April and say it's the beginning of June, that's usually when nationals is, April and May, you're doing two big blocks. You've got a huge block that you're overloading in the beginning of May. You're picking up intensity, keeping the intensity high, maybe reducing a little bit of volume in the second week, um, and doing what you can in the third week, depending on how you're training for this race, because really a lot of the adaptations that you're gonna make are in the first two weeks. I'm gonna make another video about why periodization is a great thing, but for some athletes at specific times, you can throw a lot at them in that first week when they're freshest, and that doesn't necessarily lead to progression, or the question becomes, does progression have to be ours, or how do we necessarily always quantify intensity of the workout? Maybe it's kilojoules burn that week. Maybe it's time in a specific zone. Maybe it's a lot of VO2 max work that would progress, but it's not always just ours, which I think a lot of people get stuck on. And then, you know, as you're going into your A race, you're going to be 100% because three weeks out, you're doing kitchen sink, everything that you can with hours, big volume. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in volume, and it was awesome. I was talking to Jim Miller from USA Cycling last week. He's a big volume guy as well. And then a taper, remember, there's a video out there. People hear taper and they think resting. Tapering is getting your sword sharpened so different than resting. So you have a race on a Saturday, the week before on Tuesday, you're still going ham with a hard workout, same as Thursday. The Saturday before, you're doing like half of a race. So you're not resting for two weeks, you're tapering, very, very, very different. And because you're taking that two week taper, that's gonna allow you to have the overload then your CTL is going to come down a little bit, which is fine, which is read the other blog, why CTL is not your race readiness, it's not your race fitness. CTL comes down a little bit because you keep the intensity high, but you're reducing the hours and you're starting to lower the time that you're spending. So you're getting primed for that 1A event. Now, if you're trying to race 95% all the way through for a series, you can obviously see there's already a difference 
you're going to be racing every weekend or a bunch of weekends. You're not going to have the time to dedicate to doing a huge overload or you're, you're probably going to be wasted on that weekend and not getting points. And then you're not going to be doing a huge taper, which is why you're never going to be truly at 100%. That the taper, the whole point of that is to overload, taper, be at your peak. So the question you have to ask yourself, are you good enough to get those upgrade points if you're going for upgrade points at 95%? Or do you need to pick a couple medium to big races and peak for them? And and this is just being real with yourself. Like some athletes can do really well and gather points as they go along through the season and still try to peak for an A race and win that. Other athletes that are trying, and this is, you know, if you're trying to upgrade to cat three, two, one, um, where it's competitive, and not saying that four or five is not competitive, but it usually people upgrade just through sheer athletic ability, not necessarily like training through cycles and peaking. Um, when you're trying to get those upgrade points, if you can't just naturally get, you know, first through fifth, you might have to say, hey, okay, my timeline's a little bit longer than other people. I'm gonna try and upgrade one category over the next 18 months. Maybe it's not 12 months. Um, people are lucky that they changed that rule because it used to be just a 12 month rolling window. So my recommendation, if you're trying to be good all season, um, and I'll read you his response, which he brought up some good points. You've got all that training that we talked about before the series starts, and now you're doing something like hard on Tuesday, kind of moderate on Wednesday, but then you really need to freshen up for the race. So uh, Thursday, Friday is like a rest day and openers. And then you're still, you know, it depends what you do on Wednesday and where you stack up in the field. And there's a lot of variables, you know, how hard are these races for you? But Sunday should just be an endurance day. And then you're starting that all over again. Um, it's, you know, it really, as everything, I hate to use the cop, like it's athlete dependent. Um, but it really depends on where you stack up against people in this series, how you do in the initial races. Some people sort of fade in, ser- like they kind of stop worrying about the series if they're no longer in it. So it's important to start strong. So maybe you throw a few more eggs in that basket. Um, you got to look at your vacation schedule. What races are you going to miss? How many will you be there for, et cetera, et cetera. So there's definitely some tweaking to go through that, but hopefully that explains more in depth the biggest thing is 100% is having a taper and having to overload. The 95% is more just trying to stay sharp from the training you did before that. You can still make gains doing like Tuesday workouts and you know, if you're working FTP or VO2 max or whatever it is, you can still progress that way. Um, you're just never really having those big weeks. Although again, you could have a big week and say you're going to go on vacation, have a big week, go on vacation, and then use the next couple of weeks to not necessarily taper, but um, stay sharp and go into them. So there's obviously some nuances. So this is why it's kind of a tricky question. And, you know, really what, um, so I had said that in a shorter version back to him. And he said, I, off, I asked this really because the balance is such a struggle. Taking part in a season long series, Rather than focusing on specific events, it's maintaining a decent level without compromising either fitness or fatigue in either extreme to be ready almost every weekend. And he said April through September. That's a really long time. Um, I totally fail at this. 95% in racing tired pretty much always. So he's probably doing too much. And I would say do like a Tuesday 
race, really hard workout, and then less is more. If you're doing hard rides Wednesday and Thursday, it's going to be tough to come to the race on Saturday and do well. That's where when you're trying to race at 100% for one or two or three races, that's great. Go really hard Tuesday. Go really hard Thursday. Show up and race, but you might not win um, unless you're just better than everyone in that field. In which case, is it even that great of training? Probably because it's going to push you, but that's a whole other can of worms um, when someone just happens to be better than everyone in their local area. So maybe I need to reassess and work out what is really 95%. I'm probably overdoing it and it's really 99%. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. Um, Some weeks, my training blocks often end up being a mixture of the roots. Some weeks, I'm backing off to mini taper. Some weeks, training... I'm, I'm, some weeks I'm training through it, but this creates really inconsistent blocks. So you're not really setting yourself up to be 100% and you're not staying fresh for the weekend. You're just working out. You're just riding your bike. And that's one thing I've been trying to, it kind of dawned on me. I had an athlete who was like just hitting and missing all these workouts. And I'm just like, dude, you're you're exercising right now. You're not building. I actually might have posted that on Instagram. Um, there's definitely a difference with progression and being periodized and getting prepared for events rather than just doing workouts. Um, please keep this up. I get a lot from the Cat 4 Questions series. Awesome. So hopefully that helps. And then the second question, I'm only going to keep it to two this time because they're pretty in-depth. We've got a guy from Zwift who's racing Saturday for 75 minutes and then on Tuesday doing seven by three minutes at 120%. We're gonna come back to this. So on the Zwift race, you're more than aware that your heart rate goes through the roof and stays there for virtually virtually the entire race, 95% plus if you don't get dropped. The thing is, even though my heart rate is skyrocketing in the Zwift race, there isn't that much power in the VO2 max region compared to the seven by three at 120%. Alternatively, during the seven by three, the accumulated time, the heart rate is above 90%, which is way lower compared to Zwift, which is best. So there's a lot going on in there. What he's saying is, you know, if you've done a Zwift race, there's a ton of FTP FRC work. There's a ton of stuff that's really hard that might not fall in VO2 max. If you're using classic zones, it'll probably come up anaerobic, depending on how you have your zones set up. But your, your heart rate's sky high, especially because the start is gangbusters the heart rate time is going to be less in these seven by threes because you're resting you're only getting your heart rate jacked up probably for the last two two minutes and 15 seconds and i would question 120 percent you probably need to be going harder for a three minute interval so i had said to him i would definitely do both these can be two great um, high, high intensity sessions if you like zwift racing and you work it into your plan rather than just gunslinging whatever Zwift race pops up and doing too many of them or doing them inconsistently with no goal, they can be great training. And if you're stuck inside, um, go for it. The second one though, I would say, look more at why you're doing seven by three. Um, I said, you know, have you ma- have you maxed out and gone and seen what you could do for three minutes? Because you might be able to do 140% of FTP, in which case you're just not going hard enough. Um, you know, see, try in different ways too. I tried today a pacing, a really hard one. um, And then I tried a hard start. And the interesting thing is when you look at it from an FTP, FRC, an anaerobic 
um, breakdown in WKO5. I should actually post this image. It's like the first one is all orange. I'm just drilling it. And then I actually had some oomph at the end um, and really ramped it up for probably the last 30 seconds. Whereas the other one, the hard start, it's literally almost flipped. Um, it was a 15 watt difference and I'm pumped to show you guys a new product coming up. But, so I said, hey, also look at the relative VO2 max chart in, in WKO5. Um, it's interesting, I don't always get the best results from that. I think classic intervals, I get much more time at 95% plus. Um, so you might be able to get some more quality going a bit harder than 120% and that'll obviously bring up his heart rate and you know make small tweaks um try 130 percent but i would have both of those because it is two hard sessions and so i think really the takeaway from this is look at what you're trying to get from each ride what are you trying to get from zwift what are you trying to get from the vo2 max don't necessarily compare them um, and have to pick but say where do these both fall into my training plan and maybe they don't um you know he's going to be getting those are two super high intense days if he's trying to do any ftp work there's probably not much juice left and most people have one group ride a week so that's three like you need to chill after that um so anyways thanks for watching check out the video i'm going to go for another super long ride this weekend on torque so pumped on all of their food for on the bike and i really need to stop eating the bars and the chews off of the bike it's becoming a problem and please share this like the video subscribe all the good things if you have questions email me and if i didn't clarify anything just make a comment below and we'll talk to you soon thanks again see ya